bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. I'm Paul Dragu. We're glad you can join us. Here at The New American, we take the most important news stories, strip away the mainstream propaganda, and bring you the truth. And for that, we're one of the most censored publications in America. So if you enjoy our show, share these episodes with others and help us get the news out. Now, Saturday marked the third anniversary of January 6th, an event the deep state-controlled mainstream media has repeatedly and erroneously called an insurrection. In a bit, we're going to bring in TNA-renowned investigative reporter William F. Jasper to discuss what Congressman Clay Higgins told Tucker Carlson about what really happened that day. Bill is also going to talk about why it looks like the DOJ is about to broaden its lawfare against the MAGA movement. Then we're going to look at what you can do to help fight back. We have all that coming up. But first, on Friday, acting President Joe Biden traveled to Valley Forge in Pennsylvania to deliver a speech marking the anniversary of J6. True to form, he perpetuated the deep state created narrative. Three years ago tomorrow, we saw with our own eyes the violent mob storm the United States Capitol. It was almost in disbelief as you first turned on the television. For the first time in our history, insurrectionists had come to stop the peaceful transfer, transfer of power in America. First time, smashing windows, shattering doors, attacking the police. TNA senior editor Rebecca Taro recently traveled to a federal prison and visited one of those so-called insurrectionists. Kelly Meggs was an oath keeper who received a 12-year sentence for seditious conspiracy and a number of other charges. Rebecca now joins us to talk about her interview and time with Meggs. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you, Paul. It's good to be here. So they paint, as you outlined in this article, that's going to be the cover story for an upcoming TNA issue. They paint a pretty um, convincing picture, I suppose, of Megs. He entered the Capitol. He, um, what else? He apparently they they had brought weapons, and there's even apparently communications where he indicates that they're there to quote unquote insurrection. What uh, did you learn from your time with Megs as far as these charges and what the real story is? Right. Well, you have to remember the Oath Keepers are there, were there with a Secret Service security clearance to conduct for the purpose of conducting uh, security. Um, at the ellipse that day, uh, Roger Stone had actually asked them to be there. Curiously, he had withdrawn. He he had he didn't show up, and that was a last minute thing. But you also have to remember too, they weren't just there on the sixth; they were there on the fifth as well, conducting security around the Supreme Court. We have pictures of of them, um, and they were coordinating with D.C. Metro Police as well as the Secret Service. The reason they did plan what they could and could not bring was because, yes, of course, they checked with D.C. Police to see what is is and is not allowed in Washington, D.C. by way of weapons. For instance, guns are not allowed. So they said, OK, we're not bringing guns. Yeah. Um, now the DOJ also land blasted them in uh, court for setting up quick response teams, QRTs yeah. that were in Virginia ready to come in at a moment's notice that did have more, you know, uh, weaponry 
Uh, and this was all, this is part of, this is a normal part of any, you know, Kelly told me, he said, you know, FBI does this. Everybody, anybody who has a security detail at a huge event like this, yeah. um, where counter protesters are expected. The reason he mentioned that well, Wait, word Rebecca, is, I want to go back because you said you have to remember that they had security clearance. I think you have to remember that when it comes to the mainstream narrative, I have never, and I think most people have never heard any element of that type of narrative to say that they had security clearance, that they had coordinated with the Capitol Police. It flies in the face of what they're trying to paint these guys. So they... You, the, you're saying that they had, they had coordinated. There was nothing, uh, the, uh, was it the Secret Service knew, the Capitol Police knew that Oath Keepers were there. And furthermore, that they had weapons in case or to provide security. Is that what, uh, what you learned? It was more, you know, when we say, oh, they had weapons, they they more had, they had riot protection gear. For instance, what the body armor that they wore, the, the helmets that they wore, mm-hmm. were to protect themselves in case of Antifa violence, yeah. which Trump was expecting. And, and we know that. Again, they were there on the 5th as well, conducting security because to, to keep down just in case anything erupted. Uh, around the Supreme Court, around Capitol Hill. Um, and this is a common role that the Oath Keepers played. Oath Keepers, the reason, you know, people think oh, Oath Keepers had something to do with, um, you know, keeping your vow to your to your marriage or something like that. No, these are, these are former law enforcement, former military, former security personnel who volunteer their time to, uh, and it's not just security details in places like Ferguson, Missouri, when there are riots, but it's also um, coming in like the National Guard does when there are natural disasters and and helping. And, and there no none of the Oath Keepers ever ran into any trouble. They've never been accused of any crimes when they mm. uh, provide these type of services. And they were doing exactly the same thing here. Now, there is a lot of bravado. If you read their social media posts and their texts prior to January 6th, there is a lot of bravado, but even the prosecutors admitted there was never a plan for them to storm the Capitol. And for instance, one one man was accused of planning, plotting to storm the Capitol because he had a Lego set of the Capitol. He's now called Lego Man. That's his his code name. Okay. And um he the the judge even said in the trial, uh, you know, that still has its plastic wrap on it. The Lego <laughs> set wasn't even opened, but they found that in his home. And so, oh, that's and for instance, they used a text message. Uh, Kelly had sent a message to the leader of Oath Keepers, Stuart Rhodes, um, that when they they checked in with security with Secret Service that day, mm-hmm. going on to the ellipse prior to Trump's rally. And mm-hmm. he said, Kelly sent a message to Stewart that said, we're in. Well, they used that in court as if he was, if he's, as if he sent that when they went inside the Capitol building. And let's talk, we need to talk to you. I know we're, I know we're running out of time in this segment, but I, I just want to say to you that by the time when, when, when the Ellipse rally was still going on, there were people breaching the Capitol barricades at that time. So by the time the Oath Keepers got down there, they didn't know they were crossing over a restricted line. Now, when they went into the Capitol, the reason they did that was because the doors opened from the inside. There was mm-hmm. a sh- huge surge of the crowd. And Kelly said, you couldn't not go in at that point. Right. Or you get sh- trampled, you know, right? 
Right. Exactly. He was very worried. His wife was with him and she's much, she's very small. And he was yelling at her, stay on your feet, stay on your feet, whatever you do, stay on your feet. Cause he was worried she would get trampled. Yeah. And his so, wife's in federal know, prison too now, right? She is. She's serving a 15 month sentence down in Miami. Yeah. So the, so the judge, uh, do you have any, did, did the judge not take any of this into consideration? Uh, the fact that they had coordinated with the Capitol police and secret service. The judge actually told Connie Meggs, Kelly's wife, at her sentencing, you chose to bring weapons to the Capitol, to bring guns. You went there with a truck full of guns. You went into Speaker Pelosi's office. Neither of those things were true. Neither. They never did. Wow. It's, a, it's a very and again, I'm going to I'm going to detail all of this in the article. That's yeah, yeah. Up. We're looking for with the last with the remaining time. There's an interesting section where apparently uh, Megs and probably other Oath Keepers had helped uh, an officer there who was freaking out. And that then the officer apparently incrementally, as you detail, changed mm -hmm. his testimony until there was no semblance of the truth. Is that correct? Exactly. And in various FBI. And then when they asked to cross examine him in, in court, the judge wouldn't allow the cross examination. Um, it, it was a, it was real travesty. And that was not the only time Kelly assisted uh, um, Capitol Police. He was actually helping them get people out of the building. In fact, one of the policemen he was helping, it was a female policeman. She leaned over and she said, I need to go to the bathroom. And he said, don't go ahead. Go ahead. I got it. I got it. And he was I mean, she even coordinated on the spot with him there. Like, OK, do you have this so I can run to the bathroom real quick? So, yeah. And this is uh, this has changed his life completely. I, I mean, it sounds like he's also been financially ruined right? Yep. The banks have all, all the Bank of America, Citibank, they've all canceled his credit cards, his bank accounts, his 401k had to be cashed out to pay for expenses and, uh, you know, legal. And uh, it's it's hard. It's hard. His life, his life has been completely right. out of And those kind of actions affect the rest of his family, because obviously his whole family isn't in jail, but that affects his whole family. So they not only ruined his life, they're looking to ruin his family's life too. Thanks, Rebecca. Right. That, up next, Congressman Clay Higgins' office has been investigating J6, and he has concluded that what happened was the result of a conspiracy at the highest levels. Other than Hunter's laptop, the phone calls, meetings, photographs, receipts, confessions, and the whistleblower testimony, there's zero evidence to suggest any crime was committed. TheNewAmerican.com. Subscribe now to the most fiercely independent, unapologetically American news magazine out there. Get it delivered online into your home for 25% off the first year. No more. Do more. Folks, for more non-propaganda news and in-depth analysis from The New American Magazine, make sure you have a subscription to our twice-monthly print edition of the magazine. The New American Magazine has been telling the truth and accurately projecting policy and cultural trends since 1985. We are the official magazine of the John Birch Society, which was founded in 1958 to stop the New World Order. No other magazine has been as accurate and for as long about where policy and culture were heading than The New American. You get a subscription online at thenewamerican.com. Just hit the magazine tab on top and then hit subscribe on the dropdown. If you prefer, you can call for a subscription 1-800-727-8783, Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 Central Time. That's 800-727-8783. More than 200 FBI agents were on the ground on J6. Furthermore, the chaos that erupted was the result of a conspiracy at the highest level. 
a collaborative setup plotted for 10 months by elements within the highest level of the FBI and the Democratic Party. That's what Congressman Clay Higgins of Louisiana told Tucker Carlson during an interview published on Saturday, the three-year anniversary of J6. Higgins' office has been investigating J6 at length. He also sits on the House Oversight Committee. His sobering interview reinforces what listeners of this show and millions of other Americans have figured out long ago, that the so-called insurrection was likely a Fed-surrection. When Higgins was asked why they did it, here's what he said. I mean, the objective was to de destroy the entire mega movement, to, to forever stain the, uh, the patriotic fervor that was associated with with the America First mega movement that had won in 2016 and we believe won again in 2020. And the, the establishment uh, on both sides, both major parties, were determined to, to smash that out of existence, not just by defeating Trump, but by destroying the, uh, the reputations of the movement itself. Now, this isn't news either. The MAGA movement is a threat to the deep state. It's a movement that prioritizes national sovereignty and individual liberty, values that fly in the face of the forces working to bring about a totalitarian new world order. Stopping this new world order was the reason Robert Welch started the John Birch Society, the parent company of this magazine. The JBS pointed out starting in the early 1960s that insiders, as he called them, were destroying America from within to achieve their multi-generational goal. And for that, we got the treatment that all truth tellers are getting today. Nevertheless, for 65 years, we've been warning this day would come if people didn't wake up and affect change that would alter our suicidal trajectory. Now, here we are in 2024, and it's clear as day that we have an unaccountable government within a government conspiring to destroy this nation from within. Tucker acknowledged that we have this government within the government, and he asked what can be done about it. Listen. You have a Republican president, you now have a Republican Congress, and neither one can get a straight answer from the FBI. No, no one has any control of the FBI. You're describing a government within a government. Well, in America, a question becomes reasonable men would, would, would ask when we face a crisis like this, who investigates the investigator? Right. And the answer in America is, is Congress. So we, we have the responsibility to investigate through the appropriate committees, which would, we're, certainly, we're certainly doing that now that we have a Republican majority in control of the committees. But we don't have the power to arrest. We can, we can give criminal referrals based upon our investigative efforts, but we have to have a DOJ that's receptive to the criminal referrals. So we, we've hit quite a, a brick wall, have we not? It, constitutionally, it, we, we have the responsibility to investigate objectively. And, and, and anyone that knows me knows that's exactly what I'm, I'm pursuing. I do not have, I'm not trying to create a crime to fit a narrative to blame on the FBI. I'm following the evidence and, and to my horror, it implicates our FBI at the highest level and, a, and a, a, a conspiracy within our government 
at the highest level to create the the uh, to set the stage for a compromised election cycle in 2020, and then the 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 actions that took place on J four, five, and and six, and then the the criminal investigation, arrest, and prosecution of Americans that they were able to entrap and document with the thousands of cameras that were operating that day and use that evidence that they knew they were setting up to investigate, arrest, and prosecute the Americans that they had entrapped. So Congress can investigate these things, and we we are, and we will reveal these horrific truths, and we will have criminal referrals. But until you have a, 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 a president running the executive branch that will clean house at the DOJ and FBI at the highest levels and put American patriots in place that will, be, that will act upon the criminal referrals that, that Congress provides, then none of those guys are going to get arrested because they're not going to arrest themselves. Join me as New American Senior Editor and Investigative Journalist, William F. Jasper. Welcome, Bill. Well, good, good to be here. Uh, yeah, all things considering. I have to say, I've watched a lot of stuff about J6, and this seemed to be one of the most explosive things that I think a, a congressman came out and said. It sounds like he's also implying that people need to be arrested, but he's also being realistic and saying... Uh, unfortunately, that apparently we can't do anything until we have a president that's not uh, part of the deep state. What do you make of Higgins' comments? Well, uh, they are very, very welcome. You know, he first made this statement about uh, his belief based upon extensive evidence and really methodical investigation by his staff and other, the staff members of other uh congressman and now the investigative uh, efforts of the oversight committee uh this is based on extensive evidence as he pointed out of of videotapes of whistleblowers of affidavits of of uh, uh, eyewitnesses who were there and of revelations that have come out of the various court cases where documents have been revealed uh confirming that there were in his uh uh, estimate, uh, conservatively, over 200 FBI assets, agents and assets mm-hmm. uh, inside the Capitol and amongst the the uh, uh, protesters. And and uh, this is this is very significant. Uh, we initially suggested that was probably the case in our early articles in the New American because this was uh, really a a. a uh, handbook case of what has been happening in terms of federal prov- provocations, primarily involving the FBI and DOJ, but also other uh, federal intelligence and law enforcement agencies. So th- this is big. And uh, uh, Congressman uh, Higgins uh, Higgins needs to be uh, reinforced and commended for what he's doing he's coming under tremendous amount of pressure from the media of course and from even within the republican party uh those who don't want uh this information to come out yeah so i are we stuck i mean because that that would have that would have 
explain why they are so desperate to keep Trump from getting into the White House. And, and so are we stuck in this quagmire here where if we do not get a president that is remotely interested in justice, uh, we're just, this is what it is, huh? Well, yes, we are in a very uh, difficult situation. And that's what we've been warning about for many years. If you allow this kind of corruption, infiltration, subversion mm -hmm. to take place on such an extensive scale, then eventually you're put in a, between a rock and a hard place that's very difficult to get out of. Yes, and that's clearly where we are. Thank you, Bill. We're going to get you right back on after after this. And after this, while it's become obvious that J6 was a conspiracy designed to destroy MAGA, the deep state indicates that it intends to become even more corrupt and vindictive. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Declaration of Independence proclaims God-given rights, and we intend to protect them. Working with people like you for over 50 years, preserving freedom and building a better tomorrow. Safeguarding the Constitution by limiting government power. We are restoring liberties, educating voters, and leading the freedom movement. Join with us. United, we will defend our rights. We are all Americans. We are the John Birch Society. The New American has just released our latest bookazine, a collection of articles on self-reliance. It's called Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. Without individual responsibility and without the ability to take care of ourselves without government help, we cannot be free. In this polished collector's edition, we have articles on a number of important topics, including the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst case scenario, firearm self-reliance, building a wood shack, and the importance of community, among many other topics. Now, the authors of the articles are experts in their fields. We encourage you to get a copy. You can order your copy at thenewamerican.com forward slash shop, or you can call our office at 800-727-8783. However you do it, make sure you get your copy of Self-Reliance, The Foundation of Freedom. On the three-year anniversary of J6, D.C. U.S. Attorney Matthew Graves announced that the DOJ will broaden its witch hunt. Here he is indicating that the government will now go after Americans who didn't even enter the Capitol. An important note when it comes to our prosecutions about those who remained outside the building. We have used our prosecutorial discretion to primarily focus on those who entered the building or those who engaged in violent or corrupt conduct on Capitol grounds. But if a person knowingly entered the restricted area without authorization, they had already committed a federal crime. Make no mistake, thousands of people occupied an area that they were not authorized to be present in in the first place. I'm going to bring Bill Jasper in here, back here. Bill, it seems like the more that comes to light, that the more they're looking to tighten the screws. You have some additional information on that as well. What do you think of Graves and what else is happening to tighten those screws on what seems to be basically all Americans at some point, all MAGA Americans? Yes, yeah, so we knew already 
from what the Justice Department had already put out that uh, they had all they had planned on broadening this to not just include those inside the Capitol or even on the Capitol grounds, but anyone who was in Washington, D.C. Uh, during the 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th. And they'd already announced that they were looking at all those people as suspects there. And of course, we know at the same time that this is this is going on, the narrative coming out of the January 6th committee uh, uh, insurrection investigation uh, was already sending out the message that this is a, a nationwide uh, problem of MAGA uh, White supremacists, types. insurrectionists, all of that. Right, and uh, nationalists, uh, national supremacists, etc. Mm -hmm. So uh, in addition to that, we have uh, more recently uh, coming out of Georgetown Law, there is a, a an organization that was set up there called the ICAP, I-C-A-P, Institute for Constitutional Advocacy and Protection. And the person heading that up is very crucially important. It's Mary McCord, Professor Mary McCord, who is a professor of law there. And she's in, she's the executive director of ICAP, this uh, organization closely tied to the Southern Poverty Law Center. She's also a big wheel at the Atlantic Council, which is a, she's a fellow there, which is one of the big globalist deep state organizations has been for the last half century. She was uh, acting assistant attorney general for national security in the Obama administration. And she was one of the key people who wrote the notes calling for these FISA uh, investigations, FISA uh, monitoring of uh, uh, Trump and particularly of uh, General Flynn. And she, together with Sally Yates and other people in the DOJ, uh, were behind all of these attacks on uh, Trump and MAGA. And now she is leading the effort. She is a, they, they say in her biography at Georgetown that she's a statutorily uh, designated am amicus curiae uh, person for uh, the D uh, Department of Justice in pursuing domestic terrorism. So she has been active all across the country, along with a number of these other think tanks and uh, so-called national security private organizations that are designating anyone who they view as a threat. That means anyone who they designate as a militia or as a patriot group or uh, in some way, a uh, for instance, the, all across the country, anyone who appears at demonstrations with open carry weapons, which are legal in, in many states, uh, they've designated them as terrorists, and they're calling on the federal government and state prosecutors to begin prosecuting these people. So we're seeing an expansion of this as we go here uh, into the election year. Uh, I believe we're going to be seeing a lot of prosecutions initiated against people who've done nothing illegal or wrong or have no criminal records, but all of a sudden they're going to be designated as uh, terrorists, as we saw uh, with regard to the FBI memo on school board meetings, 
as we've seen with regard to the prosecution of pro-lifers, as we've seen with regard to the uh, FBI DOJ uh, memo on infiltrating traditional Latin mass Catholics and other uh, mm-hmm. traditional Catholic groups. So this is a uh, this is a very serious thing coming into this election year. It sounds like it's part of a massive intimidation campaign to essentially make anyone who is even considering uh, expressing, you know, pro-America, MAGA type views uh, to reconsider those, or especially people who are considering, you know, showing up to the, I mean, you talked about these open carry, we've seen lots of pictures, especially out West, but you know, these open carry demonstrations, people will have their sidearm and whatever. Uh, it'd be, it'd be really, um, tragic to see that they can go after those people, despite the fact that the state laws, uh, allow this, but this is, this is basically what Clay Higgins is saying, isn't it? This is an attempt to crush conservatives in general to crush their spirit and to crush any chances that there's going to be of legal civic pushback, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they want to put fear into people so that your freedom of assembly is basically self-censored. You're not going to indulge in any of that. You're going to be afraid to say anything online because they're even prosecuting people for uh, perfectly legal things that they've posted uh, online. And uh, right now, uh, I mentioned Mary McCord at uh, ICAP. Uh, right now, they've put in their sites the uh, Sheriff Richard Mack and mm. CSPOA. Really? Uh, the Constitutional Sheriffs and Police uh, Officers Association. Uh, so they want to intimidate sheriffs and police chiefs and police officers from uh, taking a stand uh, against it. So, for instance, they they aren't they aren't concerned about Antifa or, or BLM or any of those that are burning down our cities and uh, murdering people and and uh, creating havoc uh, nationwide. No, they're not they're not concerned about them. They're not concerned about the uh, millions of people that are coming across our border without being uh, checked, without having any uh, any vetting. No, they're not concerned about that. Even even though we know we've had Hamas, Hezbollah, and ISIS terrorists coming across the border, they're not concerned about that. They're not concerned about all the Chinese possible sleeper agents uh, out of all of those that have been coming across the border. No, they're focused on American. For the most part, many of these people that have already been arrested in the J6 have no police records, have have been law-abiding, tax-paying citizens all their lives, many of them veterans. That's who they're going after. Well, and that's what's terrifying because a lot of these people, most of these people, they're regular people. You know, we're regular people. We never, uh, we've been law-abiding people, and, and most of these are as well. So that it's, that may work to some degree, but I also would imagine how, I think if, you know, 70, 80 million people, you know, decide to disregard that, they can't, what can they do? <laughs> you know, It's like you can't yeah, throw so, 50 million people in jail. There just isn't enough. They don't have them built yet. Right. Uh, so uh, that's why they're that's why they've been uh, uh, so furiously pushing to flush out of the military and out of the police, all the good, good people. Mm-hmm. They want to repopulate the military and the police with uh, all of their chosen agents. Thank you, Bill Jasper. Up next, we're going to discuss what everyday Americans can do in these dark times.
freedom is the cure. You're dead on. This is the largest experiment performed on human beings in the history of the world. The more you know. What they're doing is they're forcing vaccination on people. And I believe they are killing people with this vaccination. The freer you are. It's murder. They are basically murdering people in hospitals. The all-cause mortality we know is now higher in the vaccinated group than the unvaccinated group. Stay informed on the issues that affect freedom. Get a subscription to The New American today. TheNewAmerican.com With all this news of people and plans that threaten our way of life, it's tempting to get lured into paralyzing fear or apathy, but we must resist. This isn't the first time Americans have faced trying times, and it's certainly not the first time our way of life has been threatened. So we're gonna bring senior editor Rebecca Terrell back in, and we've got TNA editor-in-chief, Gary Benoit here, and we're gonna talk about what people can do. There's no shortage, guys, of, of uh, doom and gloom news. I would say that some of what we've been saying may fit in that category, but we can't help but report what's going on. But we also must focus on the fact that there can be something done. As long as we're here, we can take this back. It's not going to be easy. I think we can all agree that. So, Rebecca, I'm going to ask you first. Um, you, when you were talking to Kelly Meggs, uh, we mentioned this in the first segment, he had some ideas as far as what Americans can do. So let's start off with that, and then we want to hit at least two other points. Right, absolutely. Well, first of all, he wants to see a new J6 com committee. And I mean, who doesn't want to see a new J6 committee? We have all of this uh, new evidence that has come out that needs to be heard just on that basis alone. Uh, the argument to have a new committee convened by Congress. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and you, you think, okay, Mike Johnson, he's done this wonderful thing by releasing these 40,000 hours of video, which, by the way, have not all been released yet. They're being released piecemeal. As they're reviewing them to make sure there are not security reasons to keep them under wraps. Um, and I understand that too. But, you know, it's really just a first step. Uh, I do applaud the House Speaker for, for releasing these, but uh, there needs to be a whole investigation into actually the first J6 committee and, and all of the lies because everything is being predicated. That's one thing, one of the complaints that Kelly has, and it's very, very a rational complaint is that, um, you know, normally in judicial procedures, case law precedent is used. And in all of the J6, all of the J6 trials reference other J6 trials to um, justify the charges that they bring against these men. Yeah. One of them is one of them is actually going before the Supreme Court this this spring. The Supreme Court will be ruling on whether this one particular charge um had that's been used in in so many J six trials to jack up the sentencing yeah. uh, on these J sixers whether that was uh, right for the judges to use so we're hoping that could that could significantly change some of these sentences and that's that one of that that's one of the action steps we uh, advocate here I'm going to relay from our research department like you said. Um, we agree with Megs uh, that Congress must for must create a special committee to look into this J6, uh, the federal involvement in that. So what you can do, what people can do is you can call your Congress, uh, your Congress, your representative or senator or both 
and tell them to create these committees. Uh, we also have, uh, I believe we have a legislative alert. So here's another thing we ask is that you tell your congressman to defund and abolish the many unconstitutional federal law enforcement agencies and programs. We have a legislative alert on that. You could go to JBS.org and you could go to take action and you'll see, legis- uh, you'll see legislative alerts. What did you want to add to this, Gary? Well, um, yes, uh, but let's be really specific. Let's get rid of the FBI for example. Yeah. And uh, let's get rid of the Department of uh, Homeland Security. In fact, that department was established post 9-11. And uh, it's it's, uh, completely uh, extra constitutional. And of course, we do need law enforcement, but uh, let's go by the Constitution. And under the Constitution, law enforcement is one of those powers that was was reserved by the the states. It's not a a, a federal uh, power. Yes, and oh, uh, so and let's uh, let's the uh, oh. let's have law enforcement be provided by the local police who are responsible to local communities, the people they protect and serve. Let's not have it provided by a national Gestapo, yeah. which is exactly what a national police force becomes, because a national police force is beholden to the people in Washington D.C., not the people in the local communities. Rebecca, you wanted to jump in there. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, Gary. I didn't mean to talk over you. I oh, thought you were okay. done. What I was going to what I was going to add is we have to remember that the Department of Homeland Security has in 2020, interesting year, they came up with a Homeland Security Exercise and Evaluation Program, and the acronym for that looks curiously like sheep, even though the first two letters are mm-hmm. juxtaposed. But um, they actually practice these things now in the name of preparing for situations like active shooters or insurrections or things like this. But they um, have players that go in and um, play act these roles uh, of mass, you know, riots, and you, you can go on their website and they they talk about this. And these are exercises that are aimed at not a foreign force coming in and invading our shores, but they're aimed at Americans, right? And, and, and so, that. That brings up SYOP. Uh, I I think there was I think you guys would agree. There's also room here for for what's called our support your local police program because the the police, the local police, the sheriff especially is supposed to prove a barrier between uh, the feds and, and its constituents, right? So this would bring that to mind, right, Gary? Yes, it does. And of course, that's a program that John Birch Society has had for a long time. That goes back basically to the beginning. Yeah. Uh, that program, I believe, it, believe started sometime in, in the early 1960s to mid mid-1960s. And, of course, uh, it's worth recalling that when Robert Welch, the founder of the John Birch Society, started these local police committees, uh, to a lot of people that sounded kind of silly. Well, gee, wh- why would you need an organization yeah. or why would you need committees to defend the local police? Because, obviously, we are all for the local police. It was like establishing a committee to defend uh Motherhood and, and apple pie. Yeah. But uh, then we saw the riots and, and whatnot and, and the need for these committees. But but let's not forget, too, it's not just a matter of supporting your local police. It's also a matter of keeping them independent, independent from, from mm-hmm. federal control. Because, again, as I said earlier, uh, the local police are responsible to the local communities. Uh, they are beholden to those communities. They are assigned to protect and serve. Right. Uh, as opposed to being the agents of uh, a bureaucracy in Washington, D.C., which is now totally out of control and needs to be reined back and brought back to 
constitutional restraints. Uh, with the few minutes that we have left here, in your article that is yet to be released, but is wonderful. Way to go, Rebecca. In your conversation with Megs, he mentions a book that he's writing called One Question Remains. And if I understand correctly, the premise of it is that faith leaders and people of faith, Christians, uh, need to get involved. Now, this seems to be a call that is obviously echoed by people like Eric Metaxas, David Fiorazzo, I'm sure among many others. But uh, I totally, totally agree with this. You know, if you're a pe- person of faith and you have a congregation or your leadership, this is so important because what's at stake here uh, is our liberty and our liberty to even evangelize and tell people about the truth of Jesus Christ. Right, Rebecca? Absolutely, I agree. And we also have to realize that just because you have a a faith congregation, um, you have to, eternal vigilance is the price of freedom, right? Back in 1953, former communist agent Manning Johnson testified before Congress that at that time, his conservative estimate was that 3% of Protestant clergymen in the United States of America were card-carrying communist agents, uh, agents of what we would now call the deep state. Right. And it has not gotten better since then. So we absolutely need to root this out of our own um, the congregations across the country. We need to realize that we are ceding our culture and our country to in the name of this tolerance of others. You always have to be tolerant, tolerant, tolerant. No, there comes a point where tolerance uh, ceases to be a virtue and uh, you've got to stand up and say, OK, we have to stand up for Christendom. Right, it's not, right. You know, don't let them call it Western civilization. They're they're changing the name to change the significance of it. It is Christendom, and that is what is at stake here. That's such a good point. I mean, in the back on the Soviet bloc, when the communists were in charge of Eastern Europe, one of the things they did, including in where I was born, is they took over the churches, they watered them down, and they threw one of my heroes in jail for 14 years. That being Richard Wumbron, who stood up and he was one of the few who said. You cannot take over the church. Stalin is not the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. This is nothing new. Totalitarians always, always infiltrate and they need to destroy religion because it it uh, challenges them on the authority that they aim to exert over us. Thank you very much, guys. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of New American Daily. Remember to visit newamerican.com for more truth behind the news. And please join us for another episode tomorrow. 